Hallelujah. God is good. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Again, thank you all uh, for the love gift and just thinking of us. Amen. I kind of, I guess I didn't realize it was going to happen today. So anyway, thank you. Uh, praise God. Uh, for, uh, let's see here, what do we got? Let's go to the book of Hebrews today. The book of Hebrews. And we'll go to chapter 12, please. Hebrews in 12. Hallelujah. Did you come to receive today? All seven of you. Let's try that again. Did you come to receive today? Yeah, that's better. Praise God. Got some things on my heart. We've uh, last week started uh, into this, and uh, so I'm kind of, uh, maybe I'll just do a little uh, quick review and then kind of move us into what, uh, uh, what we have for you today. And um, we have, uh, of course, uh, in our Sunday services uh, this year, been talking about overcoming, about being the overcomer. And uh, so every week coming at you, you know, in different ways and different things. And, and we've been kind of in a little mini series within the series and ministering on a disciplined life. And, uh, you know, you really can't overcome things if you don't learn to, you know, keep yourself disciplined in some things. It's hard to overcome certain areas when you're all over the map. Amen. Amen. And so sometimes it takes just a, a disciplined lifestyle to, uh, to, get, to get past some things, to, get, to overcome some areas. And so we've been talking about that. And, and uh, what we've been in the midst of this series talking about focus and the importance of staying disciplined in the area of our focus. Amen. And uh, so with that said, uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 12, and let me get to it here. Verse 1, please, says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance. Everybody say endurance. I mean, no, it's not a sprint. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Amen. But it tells you how to do it. Okay, there's a race to run. We all have a race to run, but it tells you how to do it. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And it says, for consider him, verse 3 says. Consider him. In other words, stay focused on him. Stay locked on to him. Amen. Who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. And it says, lest you become or lest you grow weary and discouraged in your own souls. Amen. So in other words, there's, there's pressure ahead. There's things going on, things all the way around you. And the idea is that if you, if you want to avoid weariness and avoid discouragement, amen, you're going to have to stay locked on, keep considering Him, stay locked on to Him, praise God. Verse 2 says, looking unto Him, amen, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now the Amplified in verse 2, if you put that up there please, uh, Amplified says, looking away, I love this, from all that will distract unto Jesus, who is, of course, the leader and source of our faith. Amen. Looking away. So part of looking unto Him is also, you have to understand, focus isn't just about what you're looking at, but also what you're not looking at. Are you hearing me? See, it's just as important to understand what you shouldn't look at if you're going to stay focused. And so the Amplified brings out looking away from all that will distract. And so what we did last week is talk about some areas of, uh, that, that have a tendency to distract us. 
you know, if we're going to stay focused on Him and run this race and accomplish this race and obtain that prize, amen, then we're going to have to guard what we're looking at and avoid certain things, amen, not to look at. Come on, right? Yeah. Kind of not real proper English there, but I think you get the point, praise God. So what we're doing, or what we started doing anyway last week is talking about all these areas that will distract us, all right? And uh, remember this, if the enemy can't distract you, he can't conquer you. And really, that's just the thing. He, all this stuff happens trying to distract, trying to get us to stop looking to the source of our faith, trying to look to the one who, the originator and the perfecter of our faith, amen. And so the enemy is just trying to do whatever he can to keep you from looking where you should be looking. Are you still with me? Look at your neighbor and say, stay focused now. Amen. So what we did uh, last week, uh, we, uh, we looked at about a half a dozen different areas. And so real quick, I'll just say this. I'm not going to really turn to these verses because I think if I do, I'll just get all preachy again and I won't get done what I got to get done, all right? So just real quick, if you, if you, if you, if you missed it last week, get the CD or, or get online, get the, you know, download it, whatever. And uh, you'll get, get it a little bit more in depth, all right? So Philippians 3 brought out uh, that we're not to be distracted from the things which are behind. Amen. We have a race to run, a prize to obtain. But Paul brought out, he says, you know, not looking uh, to the past. Amen. Not looking to those things of yesteryear, those things of yesterday. Come on, somebody. He said, I, I know how I do this one thing real well, he says. I know how to let go of yesterday. Come on, somebody. I know how to let go of things, amen, behind, amen, so I can reach forward to those things which are ahead. It's hard to move forward when you're constantly staring in the rearview mirror. Now, there's all kinds of reasons for that. Uh, so most of the time, it's, it's maybe for negative reasons because of the fact that, you know, maybe our past isn't so, so clean or maybe we've done something or we've made mistakes or had issues back there or something. And so sometimes, you know, looking back there, uh, it just means nothing but, but guilt, condemnation, shame, those kind of things, all right? And there's no doubt that's, that's a lot of stuff that tries to come up when you start focusing on the past. Amen. And it happens. I mean, it's, it's back there. But you got to learn to let go of that. you got to learn to move forward in that. Amen. you got to believe that what Jesus did for you, amen, was enough to pay for your past. Come on, right? So you got to learn not to focus on that. Some people focus on it because they're always trying to fix and repair what they did back there. And I have found, you know, you can either you know, waste your life trying to repair your past or you can focus on your future and prepare for your future, amen, and move forward and let God take care of the mess that's behind you. Come on, somebody. And that's a fact. You, God can take care of it. You know, if you're always focused on it, you're always trying to fix it. And how about just move forward, let God fix that mess, and let God, you know, walk you through some things. I'm not saying there ain't times that God might have you go back and do something or say something maybe to make something right. I, I get that, and there's a time and a place for that. But if you're going to spend your whole life focused on how you're going to fix something that happened yesteryear, you never get into tomorrow, come on somebody, moving forward in your future, praise God. Still with me? So we talked about that. We also talked in 2 Timothy 2 about being distracted with the affairs of this life. And that word just literally means practical matters. Amen. Now, how many know we all got practical matters? We all got things we have to work through. We all got things we have to deal with on a daily basis. We all have lives. We all have jobs. We all have families. 
We all have things that need to get done. We all have stuff that pulls on us. Every one of us do. But you have to understand God is more aware of what you have to get done than you are. So he says, stay focused on me and let me walk you through those practical matters. Amen. See, what happens many times is we get caught up in it. And then it turns into a distraction. It starts, the, the word distraction also means like a divided mind or divided uh, thoughts, you know. So sometimes that's exactly what happens. You're going along and you're, you're always consumed or divided having to deal with this, having to deal with that, having to deal with this. And pretty soon, we're not looking where we need to be looking. God can walk you through all those things. And, of course, we took some time and walked through that a little bit. Amen. Uh, Matthew 14, we also talked about uh, out of that was where uh, Peter was walking on the water. He said, Jesus said, come, here he is. He's walking on the water. But the word says he got distracted with the storm. And he began then to sink. Amen. He cried out to the Lord. The Lord reached out, grabbed him. Amen. And, uh, you know, as I always say with that text, I believe he pulled him up. I don't believe he drug him back to the boat through the water. You know, we might all maybe someday be surprised and get a, you know, a replay of that and realize, okay, maybe it didn't happen that way. But anyway, I'm pretty sure he pulled him right back up. Uh, but the point is this. A lot of times, you know, what that represents is storms and, and pressures, all right, turmoil, chaos in our lives sometimes. It happens. You know, you make a decision to move forward in God. Here comes a little chaos. Here comes another situation. Here comes another circumstance. Something else tries to raise up its ugly head and try to get you distracted again, amen, from what the Lord's trying to do, amen? And you have to see it. Listen, you're moving forward. You're walking on water. You're conquering. You're overcoming. Don't let that little bit of chaos, don't let that turmoil, don't let that storm be the thing to knock you back. Come on now. Don't begin to sink because you got your attention off onto that. Amen. Keep your attention. Keep your focus on the Lord. Can I hear a big amen? Amen. amen. Woo, got through that one fast. Hallelujah. Luke 10, Martha, Martha. That was one we talked about. Amen. And the word says, Jesus uh, said uh, that, you know, she was distracted, you know. And the word says she was distracted with serving. Well, there ain't nothing wrong with serving. Serving's a good thing, right? But the problem was she was trying to do everything herself. Come on, somebody. She got distracted from what she should have been doing. She should have been in the other room listening to Jesus instead of out there trying to get the table set. Come on. How many know the table needed to get set? How many know there's food probably in the oven? Come on, somebody. Maybe she had takeout. I don't know. But anyway, I don't know. Maybe she went down to, you know, Chinese restaurant and got some food. I don't know. But anyway, the point is, amen, she got all caught up, amen, with even doing something that's good. She got caught up with serving, all right? But the problem was it's now a distraction. It was referred to as a distraction. So somebody said, well, praise the Lord, I don't have to serve. No, that ain't what that means. There's a time to serve, and there's a time to sit at his feet and receive. Come on, somebody. Amen. And don't get them mixed up, praise God. Amen. And I have found if you keep yourself focused on him, it's a lot easier to serve. You're not overwhelmed all the time. Amen. So anyway, we talked about that, praise God. Mark 4, we brought out, especially how the Amplified uh, Translation talks about being distracted with the cares of this world. As you look it up, it means business affairs. And it goes to talking about, you know, the deceitfulness of riches, you know, and those kind of things. And God ain't down in any of that. But the problem is, pretty soon, 
It's all about the next job. It's all about, you know, you know, bigger and better and all that kind of stuff. And nothing wrong with going bigger, nothing wrong with going better. Come on, somebody. If somebody's going to get the raise, it might as well be you. If somebody's going to get the good job, it might as well be you. If somebody's going to get the increase, it might as well be you. Praise God. But don't get distracted with it. Come on now. Keep yourself focused on the Lord. Keep yourself focused on your source. Pretty soon, if you don't watch it, you become your source. And you're not. Uh, come on now. I think, you know, if you really stop and think about it, every time you kind of get in charge, that's when we start having problems. I don't know, just the thought I'm having. I mean, maybe that didn't happen that way in your house, but it sure happens that way in mine. Come on, somebody. When I become the source, now we got problems. Come on. But when he's our source, amen, it seems to work better. Look at your neighbor say, it always works better when he's in charge. Amen. So that was another distraction. The last one we talked about was really the distraction of, uh, of our own desires and being enticed. Really talking about temptations. Okay, temptations are there because if you really stop and think about it, a temptation is nothing but a distraction. It's, a, it's focusing on the wrong thing. If, if you keep yourself focused on him, you're less likely to fall back into that, into that mess. Come on, somebody. Back under that temptation. Amen. That uh, lustful longing is what that word desire means. Amen. There are things that try to pull at you, and pretty soon it becomes a distraction. Amen. That desire, uh, you know, turns in, uh, you're enticed, and then you're enticed, and pretty soon it turns into, you know, you start falling prey to sin, which means to do or to know to do good and not to do it. Now you're crossing lines, and that says that leads to death. All of it started with a distraction. I said all of it started with a distraction. Amen. We all, we've all been caught in those kind of messes. You know, uh, you know it could be anything. Sometimes we, we hear the word temptation. First thing we think about is addictions or something. And they can be. But sometimes it's just murmuring. Sometimes it's bad-mouthing. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's anger or it's, uh, it's uh, you know, pity or it's, it's depression or, come on, somebody. And the Spirit of God warns you to stay clear of that. And then what happens is you get your focus off Him, and pretty soon you're on to that thing that depresses you, that upsets you, that brings you under, and the next thing you know, you're doing something you said you wouldn't do no more. Still with me? Yeah. Woo! So, with that said, let's go uh, shift gears today, and we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. From all that will distract, all kinds of distractions out there. <clears throat> this is where uh, last week I, I kind of brought it to an end right here, and and uh, so we're going to kind of take up with that. And uh, I, I kind of felt led to read about, you know, a dozen verses in here um, and then uh, kind of spin off that. But verse 1 of chapter 10. Now, if you recall, 1 Corinthians has kind of had some issues. Uh, I mean, the Corinthian church has had some issues. And so this first letter here was written and trying to deal with some of them issues. And in fact, really, both letters are kind of dealing with some issues. But um, the church had some things going for it, obviously, uh, a spirit-filled church, and, uh, but they a little out of control here and there. Come on, somebody. So they had some problems, so Paul's trying to address a few problems here and there. 
And, and that's kind of what, you know, what's going on here. And so verse 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers or our forefathers were under the cloud all passed through the sea. Talking about the children of Israel. Amen. Talking about, you know, when they went through the, uh, the uh, you know, the Red Sea and all that happened there. And uh, the cloud being, you know, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. All this is going on. He said, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food or manna. All drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock or from that spiritual rock that followed them. As a type and shadow, This says, that rock was Christ. Amen. Amen. The source of living water. Come on, somebody, right? Come on now. Really. I mean, so, so anyway, he's talking about, he's trying to show you, he's talking about the children of Israel. Okay. Verse number uh, five then says, but with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. All right. How many know that first generation ended up becoming uh, fertilizer? Come on, right? Are you with me? So they, they, they died. Okay. And for, uh, you know, there's a reason for it. Verse 6, he says, now these things became our example. Look at your neighbor and say, our example. We're example here, types, picture, a lesson, right? Come on, there's more to it, but we'll, we'll see that here in a second. Now these things became our examples. What things? He's talking about the children of Israel. What they did, what they went through, why they went through it, and it became an example to us. All right, so it means we should learn something here, right? Now, these things became our examples, here we go, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things. Uh, the one translation says it pretty good, says that we should not fail in the same way. The word evil things here literally means worthless or harmful things, okay? And they lusted after, which means they desired it, craved it, literally means to set the heart upon it. So there's areas here that they set their heart upon. In other words, they got distracted with it. Still with me? They got distracted. Okay? Uh, and, and it says with these evil things as, as they also lusted after it. In other words, they set their hearts on it. And he goes on to talk about several of those things. So verse 7, he says, and do not become idolaters as uh, were some of them. Now look at your neighbor and say, listen up now. Now I'm just going to throw this out here. Okay? Because I, I, I might touch on a few things. So I want you to have an ear to hear it so I don't have to talk about it next week. Are you with me? So purpose, to hear what's being said today, to drink it in by the Spirit of God, let God talk to you about some things, amen, so we can keep moving on. Are you still with me? All right, praise the Lord. All right, so uh, we do not become idolaters as some of them did. In other words, they, you know, bowing down to their own things. Come on, somebody. And as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. And it's all a quote, of, uh, you know, the old covenant quote here. But verse 8 says, nor, lest, uh, nor let us commit sexual immorality. Okay, all kinds of sexual sins. Okay, uh, so uh, there's all kinds of ways that that happens. All right, so, so he said, let us, nor let us. You see that? Nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, literally 23,000 fell or died because of what they did. Hello. Now, now, let's back up here, verse 6. Now, these things became our examples. Are you still with me? Just remember that now, okay? Okay, back down here now again, now to verse 9. It says, nor, so same, same thought here, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted. 
or tempted God, right? Is what they did. And they were destroyed by the serpents. Okay, that nobody wants that. Come on. Nor, verse 10, it's still the same statement here. Nor complain, uh, you know, grumble, murmur, gripe, right? As some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Spirit of death, they rolled in there and people were taken out. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't want none of that. Amen. And then it goes on. Now, repeats himself. Now, all these things happen to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition or our teaching upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. See, in other words, don't take it lightly what's being said here. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common demand. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, uh, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. In other words, it doesn't matter what we're dealing with, what we're talking about. There's always a way out if you choose to stay focused on where you got to be focused. Amen. But don't take it lightly. Take heed. You know, uh, that verse 12 again, uh, you know, he, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. We got to be, we got to, we got to take heed to these things. Now, if you back up here, um, verse 11 again, it says, as examples. Now, all these things happen to them as examples. All right, that same word that was used up there in verse 6, okay? Same word, examples. Now, this word, um, uh, example, uh, means a pattern or model. It means, you know, a type or picture or a, a lesson learned. But get this, the first, the first word in the concordance, okay, for this word example is a die or a cast or mold, okay? So he's saying that this, uh, you, know, uh, you know, understand that if even in your life the same thing gets poured into this, it always comes out the same. See, this is why this is our example. You know, in the chapter 12 of Hebrews, you know, it brings out, you know, listen, God's trying to talk. But if you ain't going to listen, he said, how can you even remotely think that the things that happened to the children of Israel wouldn't happen to you? These are new covenant verses. So that's why he says, please take heed lest you fall. So this is something you got to take heed to. Now, you know, you go back up here. And, you know, idolatry, but they say, yeah, we don't want to be idolaters. And, you know, most of us are thinking, you know, I wouldn't bow to anything but God, you know. And, and, and you know, we could spend probably a service on that and convince you, you've probably been guilty of it. Right? All right. Uh, I could talk about, you know, sexual immorality. And I have a show of hands. No, 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 we won't. But there's a lot of folks that get guilty of that. It's not just you committed adultery. It could be all kinds of things. You could be messing around on the Internet. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, inappropriate conduct. All kinds of things that, there's all, that, that meets in all kinds of ways. And you have to understand that if you're going to walk in that, you're pouring something into a mold. You're pouring something into a die or a cast. And no matter how you break that open, it's always the same. Same results. 
And we don't want none of the results that the children of Israel had. None of them. And you ain't called to any of them. Nobody has to wander in a wilderness. So these are, you know, things that we can, well, duh, that's right, man. Steer clear of idolatry and sexual immorality. But then we got verse 9. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by the serpents. Put uh, the Amplified up of that one, if you could, Kelly. Amen. Give Kelly a hand clap. What a blessing. Amen. Uh, this is the Amplified version of it. Okay, and there's a reason that we're reading it out of this. Uh, we should not tempt the Lord. Here we go. Try his patience. Become a trial to him. Listen, listen. Critically appraise him and exploit his goodness. As some of them did. Now, the reason this is all mentioned is because it's what they did. Okay? They, they you know, tried his patience, became a trial. Amen. They critically, listen, they critically appraised him, trying to constantly, you know, argue with what he was trying to do. Come on, somebody. And they exploited his goodness. How I many know oh, God is good? Now, this is a new covenant verse. I don't want to be guilty of these kind of things, being critical. You know, a lot of times, you know, if you really stop, you know, we, which we are going to go look at this in a minute. But they became critical of everything. They become critical uh, of their leaders. They became critical of the spies. They became critical uh, of, you know, those that were trying to do good. They become critical of how God led them. They become critical of what, you know, what should happen here. They constantly were critical all the time. Smile at your neighbor say, listen up. I don't want to go here next week. I want to get it done. Okay, so give me an ear. Okay, so uh, they, they critically appraise him and exploit his goodness as some of them did and were killed by the poisonous serpents. Okay, that's what happened. Okay, verse 10, please, uh, uh, in the Amplified. Thank you. Uh, nor discontentedly complain. Complain? Now, the word says, you know, that we, there might be times you have complaints. Colossians 3 brings that out. But he says, listen, you know, as Christ forgave you, forgive them. We might have complaints, legitimate complaints. But this says, nor discontentedly complain as some of them did, and they were put out of the way entirely by the destroyer. In other words, namely the death, spirit of death. All right, so discontently complain. Listen, you pour it into the mold, you get the results. You pour it into the mold, you get the results. You want to complain? Complain. You're pouring it in a mold, you're going to get a result. You want to murmur? You want to gripe? You're pulling it into a mold, it's going to open up. That's, you're going to get that. It, nobody's praying it over you. God, ain't, God isn't... God isn't praying it over you. Come on, or, you know, calling it over you. The, we, what you pour in the mold comes out. Are you still with me? I, I'm just saying, it isn't worth it. It isn't worth it. it. Listen, if you get focused on the good, God will take care of the bad. 
If you learn to focus on the good. Listen, there may be something legitimate that needs to be discussed. We get that. God gets that. You know, the word brought out that one of the problems they had was they would go murmur and gripe in their tents. They thought once they got in their tent, King's X. And so we have a society that does the same thing. We get in, we get in, our, we're in our jammies in front of our computer getting on Facebook. Now, it's wonderful when we're all praising God about everything. But that isn't always what happens on Facebook. Or Twitter, or whatever. I don't know, there's probably other things now I don't even know about. I'm usually about 10 years behind, it seems like, with some of that. But it all, it all happens. And listen, so what you pour in the mold comes out. <sighs> Critically, you get critical, amen. You're exploiting him, his goodness, amen. You grumble, you complain, come on. And it all becomes part of an example. What happened to them can happen to you and me. Are you still with me? Now, with that said, let's go to the book of Numbers, all right? Let's hang out there for a little bit. Amen. Let's get through this today. Amen. Aren't you glad you came out? Yeah. Eh, it was real weak. Aren't you glad you came out? Yeah. All right, now. Come on, now. Amen. Listen, I can save your life right here. I can save your family's life. I can save somebody in your family's life right now with this message. Literally. Are you still with me? We can save your life here. Some of you struggle sometimes with, with health issues. You struggle with financial issues. Come on, somebody. You struggle with, uh, with disease. You struggle uh, with, with uh, oppression. You struggle uh, with uh, family problems or marital problems. I'm trying to save this. I'm trying to save you. Because this is not something you want to dabble with. It's not something that, that you know you can turn around and say, well, God's mercy covers me. No, it's a mold. What you pour in comes out unless you repent. That's how it works. And we'd all like to just think, well, the blood covers me regardless of what mistakes I make. Come on, the blood is there to cover your mistakes when you repent. So he's trying to give us fair warning. Okay, what happened here? Let's, we're just going to actually take... One basic thing, we could have went to all these areas uh, in the book of Numbers here dealing with all this, uh, but we're just going to take uh, just kind of in the beginning here because really it's what messed them over. Are you still with me? Okay. So they, uh, the, the, the ten, or pardon me, the 12 spies, uh, they're picked. All of these are uh, each, each spy that went in to spy out the land. By the way, we're going Numbers 13 is where we'll go first. Okay. They went in. Everyone was picked. Now, we don't know the exact number of how many uh, Israelites there were that came out of Egypt, but I've heard anywhere from one and a half million to several million who came out. Now, we don't know exactly. We have some ideas, uh, some things by just, you know, going through history and different things. They can pick up some things. But even if it was, even if it was just each tribe had 100,000 people in it, okay, that's 12 tribes, that would make, that would make around 1.2 million then. Come on, somebody. Just, just throwing numbers out for this reason. Okay, out of that 100,000 or whatever in that tribe, one man was picked. One. As a leader, one man from each tribe. They were picked by that tribe. Right? Right? 
Okay, so those 12 go in. They're in there 40 days spying out the land. Okay, they come back. Okay, most of us know this story. But verse 25 of chapter 13 says, They returned from spying out the land after 40 days. And, they, and now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and, and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran uh, at Kadesh. Okay, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They, then, pardon me, then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and, and this is its fruit. Okay? In other words, there's the good stuff, right? Nevertheless, okay, we're, we're about ready to shift, uh, shift here. We're about ready to get distracted. Well, they're already distracted, and they're about ready to get everybody else distracted. That's kind of really a better way of saying it. All right. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. All right. And the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Okay. Which, uh, very large folk. Come on, somebody. Now, the point is, they saw things. Okay. Listen, they saw things. They saw good the milk, the honey, everything. Everything's flowing. That just means a prosperous land, like what God said. Come on. They also saw. Um, uh, people there uh, who seemed strong. Come on, somebody. Uh, the cities were fortified, right? Well, come on, right? There's not, that was true. There were some of the cities that were fortified. Uh, Jericho was fortified. Come on, right? Right? Come on. Now, I'm just trying to say they saw something. The problem is they got focused on the wrong thing. So when you start thinking about, um, you know, being critical, things about, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, Looking at things in a in a, a you know a critical judgmental way. Um, what was the uh, what was the, the second part of that? Um, what's that? Uh, complaints. That was the other word. Okay, complaining, all that kind of stuff. All of it comes out of negativity. All comes out of negativity. So what happens is. Okay, they're going along. God said, this is the land I'm giving to you. You're going to go in and take the land. Go in, bring back the, the fruit of it, and show the people, amen, what they're getting in for. Amen. God didn't say you're not going to have a fight. God didn't say there's no, come on, right? They had a fight, didn't they? The second generation, when they went in, they had to go in there. They, they did what they had to do at Jericho. All they had to do there was march around the city. God took care of it. Come on, somebody. God handled that one. He said, the fight's his, right? Come on. They then decided to do it on their own when they went to AI. They got in trouble, all that mess. Come on, somebody got embarrassed. Okay, they got that all set straight, got that all right. They had then 31 or 32 consecutive victories after that. So there was a fight. That's my point. He wasn't denying the fact that there's going to be a fight. So when these men were saying, you know, these cities are fortified and there's some big people in there and there's all this kind of stuff, he, he, God wasn't denying any of that. He just says, don't, you just can't be focused on that. If all you're ever going to focus on is the, is the, you know, the fight that you got ahead of you, the race you got to run, you're going you're gonna to get start looking at the wrong stuff. And pretty soon you're going to wear yourself out. You're going to get weary. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to quit. You're going to give up. Okay. Whew. Verse 29. This is what they were saying. The Amalekites. Okay. They dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, a whole bunch of other otherites. Huh? They're in the mountains. They're by the sea. They're, in the, they're along the bank of the Jordan. I mean, no, God didn't deny any of that. Come on. 
They, those are all, all tribes that had to be, that were, that were going to be removed. All right. Then Caleb, okay, everybody say, good, good job, Caleb. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. What's he doing here? He's trying to get him. No, no, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Breaks. Hold it. We're, 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 we're looking on the wrong thing here. God said we could do this. Let's do it. Let's just get together right now. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's stay locked on to what we're supposed to do here. Right? Okay. All right. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave, literally, this is what the word says, they gave the children of Israel a bad report. A bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. It's amazing when you get focused on the wrong thing, how all of a sudden that little anthill turns into a, a, come on, a mountain. Come on, somebody. And it gets worse and it gets worse. It's no different than you and me. We do the same thing. We look at something and that thing right now is in your face and it's trying to distract you. And pretty soon if you don't watch it, that thing now is like, life just stinks. Oh, life, everything's so, oh my God, I hate life. Oh, okay. It's like, whoa, whoa, breaks, dude. That's just one little thing you're dealing with. Come on, it's okay. Overcome it. We can do this. Amen. But pretty soon we're just, everything becomes bigger than it is. And the land devours in heaven. All the people who, uh, whom we saw in there are, are, are men of great stature. There's no Pee Wee Hermans in the midst. They're all just giants. And there was some. We saw the giants, the descendants of Anak uh, that came from the giants. There were some big people, no doubt about it. And we were like, oh, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. No, that's just what you assume. Because I guarantee you, nobody as spies going in spying land walked up to anybody saying, do I look like, you know, a grasshopper to you? <laughs> ain't nobody went and asked because you're spying out the land. You're sneaking around. Come on, you ain't making conversation. You're not, you know, you're not, you know, getting into deep, the, uh, you know, theological debates with anybody and, and, and talking your philosophies and your views and your opinions. You're, you're sneaking around. You're trying to spy out the land. So what happened was they got focused so much on the bad, on the little things, on the negative things. And God, by the way, there were some negative things. God wasn't denying it. We're not denying it in your life. There are some things that you might come up against and deal with that, that are not a fun thing. They're a negative thing. They might, they might cost you a day or two of pressing into God. Come on, somebody. But if you get too focused on it pretty soon... You become like a grasshopper, come on, in your own sight. And then you just assume you are in their sight. Now, I read all that just to lead up to the story because here's what it comes down to then. Because now, these ten men, because I mean, no, it wasn't Joshua, Caleb, it was the other ten. Because of their bad report, God called it a bad report. It said, so verse 14, 1 says, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. Man, you talk about a defeat mentality here. Okay, they all began to cry, and the people wept that night. They haven't went in there or done anything. So something distracted them. 
They were all part of the people that, that picked an individual out of their tribe to go in and do what God asked them to do because God was going to give them the land. Come on, somebody. And, and then somebody gives a, a, a bad report, and all they want to do is weep through the night. Now, listen, now, you know, we sometimes hindsight, we can sit here and, you know, poke fun at the, the Israelites. Because, ow, oh, them silly dinglings. How dare they get in doubt and unbelief? You know, how dare they, you know, get all, you know, pity party, uh, you know, defeat mentality. Yeah, I mean, geez. But we've done the same things. We've been guilty of these kind of things. We, we didn't get the report we wanted. So we first thing we do is we, we crash. It says they lifted up their voices and they cried and the people wept that night. All right, verse 2, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses. Well, what did Moses do? And Aaron, what did Aaron do? But that's what we do. We, we, always, we always bellyache at the leader, whoever's leading. That's who we go after. Come on. That's how it works. Come on. So we get critical. Come on. And if you really want to stop, okay, they got critical of Moses and Aaron, but later on in the chapter, God says, you got critical of me. He made it personal. God took it personal. Why? Because he's the one that set them there. Are you still with me? You're going to hear me today, right? All right, come on now. We're, there we go. So it said that they complained, and he said this. Then they said this. If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Really? Well, they were the ones that were calling out to God to deliver them from Egypt. And the word called Egypt the house of bondage. So they wanted delivered, but now all of a sudden, you know, you know, we wish we would have died there. If only we had died in this wilderness. What? Where's that coming from? Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? What sword? Nobody has raised a sword against you. Listen, the chill, it was not. The, uh, it was not the worldly kingdoms that took the Israelites out. The Israelites went out on their own accord. No, no Jebusite, parasite, or any otherite, come on, took them out. They went out on their own because of what we're to take example of. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope he does get through it today. <laughs> Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives, here we go. <gasps> yeah, it's always about the children. That our wives and children should become victims. That's, uh, hang on to that because God calls them on it on that thing. Because now you're making your kids like we're all victims. Come on, somebody. Nobody has done anything yet. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, here we go. <laughs> I mean, look how it just progresses here. Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Disloyalty and unfaithfulness. And then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the, or the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of, of Jephunneh, Jephunneh, 
Jephunneh, there we go, uh, who were among those who had spied out the land. They tore their clothes and they spoke. Listen, they're trying to get you refocused here. They spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. Remember that. If the Lord delights in us, then He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel. And they called it, Don't rebel. Don't do this. Don't rebel against the Lord, uh, nor fear the people of the land, for they are, they are listen, I love this, they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. See, if you get focused on the right thing, God takes care of the wrong thing. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them. (laughs) Really? Let's, okay, let's stone the leader. Let's stone anybody that, that stands for that. Anybody that says, hey, let's move forward in God. Let's stone them. But that's what happens when you get focused on the wrong thing. That's because all you can see is the wrong thing. All you can see is the negative thing. All you can see is that thing that you can be critical about or judgmental about or complain about. Listen, there's things to complain about. Woo! It's all over the place. You can follow me around for a day, and you're probably going to find something I did you didn't like. And I can follow you around for a day. <laughs> what may I find? And we can all sit and focus on all that, or we can say, praise the Lord, we're all moving forward together. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. Just move forward. Amen. Amen. It isn't worth getting caught up in all that stuff. So they wanted to stone him. Of course, then God gets upset about it. He gets, takes it real personal. Moses intercedes for him. Let's get down here a ways because it's the sake of time. Let's go to like verse 26. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation, here we go, who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. He takes it personal. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as I have spoken in my, uh, in my hearing, so I will do to you the car- carcasses. Listen, nobody wants this. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who are numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and uh, above. See, in other words, they're the only ones that are, that are not going to fall. Okay? that are not going to die in the wilderness. All right? Now, that, listen, who determined that? They haven't, even, they haven't gone over to the promised land. Listen, listen, it was a promised land. Promised. Promised. And those that believed and received, received it. Those that murmured, griped, complained, did not. I mean, it's just, we got to take example. What you pour in the mold, when you break that mold, there it is. And we get all mad, but how come my life's like this? Why am I always sick? Why am I always uh, down? Why am I always got problems? Why do I always got, you know, issues? What? I mean, come on. Maybe it's because of what we're pouring in the mold. Is it worth it? It isn't worth complaining about stuff. We all got complaints. 
And I understand sometimes we need to discuss something. We need to talk about, get something resolved, turn something around. We get all that. God gets all that. But to take it and run with something to the point that, you know, it makes you broke, busted, and disgusted, is it really worth it? It isn't worth it. Let it go. Move on. Well, you don't understand. No, no, I do understand. We all understand. We've all been wronged. We've all, we've all have wronged. We've all been overlooked. And we've all overlooked. We've all made good choices. And we've probably all made a few bad choices. Come on, right? I mean, I could, I could walk in my own church. It doesn't take me but a few minutes. I think, yeah, I wish that was different. 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 That's just a fact. And you, you, you try your best to, to move things forward and make the adjustments and change and make things better. But sometimes, you know, something gets overlooked or, or forgot about or something, whatever. And pretty soon, you know, oh, that's right. I got to. But, you know, we can get all we can get all worked up and upset. And I, it just isn't worth it. Now, I'm saying uh, this whole thing, it's a distraction. Negativity, we can, we can find something every day to be negative about. And all it is is a distraction, and you're pouring that into a mold. Because out of that negativity is going to come complaining, come murmuring, come griping. Come on, somebody. Come critical, uh, some critical spirit. Nobody needs that mess. And you have to understand that even under the new covenant, okay, you can start wandering in a wilderness based on your choice and decision yourself. You know, and if you've got something you're dealing with and combating right now, the last thing you need to be doing is throwing fuel in the fire. Come on, somebody. The last thing you need to be doing is be murmuring, griping about stuff because you ain't going to get free of anything. You're just giving place to the enemy. Remember, you know, for instance, uh, if you're going to be critical of an individual, the word says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren, the one that finds fault or complaint. And he'll find a bunch. He can find them because he studies your life. But it, when you start doing the same thing, all you've done is hooked up and joined forces with him. So that can't be good. So all of a sudden now you're opening the door for the enemy. And now he just comes in and keeps taking, stealing, ransacking your house, your family, your health, your finance. It isn't worth it, people. I said it isn't worth it. Let's look at this. We'll just finish it up and we'll take it home. All right. Uh, verse 29, the carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness, and all of you who are numbered according to the entire number uh, from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore uh, I, would, uh, I would make you dwell in. But your little ones, look at this, your little ones whom you said would be victims, I will bring them in, right? I'll bring them in. And they shall know that the land uh, which you have despised. They're going to the, get the experience. Come on. You thought they were going to be victims. But they're the ones that are going to get to experience what you could have experienced. Sometimes, you know, it just, it's amazing where we get. And really the similarities. You can sit here and meditate on this. And you'd be amazed at how similar this is to our lives today. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and your sons shall be shepherds in this wilderness for 40 years. Listen, 
For 40 years, this was never God's intention, but here it is. For 40 years, you're going to be in this wilderness, and you're going to bear the brunt of your infidelity, your murmuring and griping, until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days uh, for each day, you shall bear your guilt uh, one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know uh, my rejection. Of course, it goes on then it's saying the same thing about even the spies. The other 10 spies end up dying by the plague. Come on, somebody. Now, the point I'm saying, nobody wants to read that stuff and meditate that. Nobody surely wants that. Nobody wants this mess. And yet we read it sometimes and we try to buffalo ourselves into thinking, well, that's old covenant and we're in the new covenant. I started with the new covenant. And the new covenant's warning you that what happened in the old covenant can happen to you. So, you know, we all get idolatry, you know, for the most part. You say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all get sexual immorality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you start talking about being critical and complaining, negativity, all that stuff, we think, well, come on now. I'm justified. Nobody's justified in that mess. Listen, like years ago, you know, what came to me is that there is absolutely nothing positive about being negative. Nothing positive about it. So there's no no sense going down that road because all it's going to do is do this whole snowball effect in your life. The same thing that happened to them is what ends up happening to us. And when you look at the example and everything, you know, you know, you don't have to be wandering in Egypt or outside of Egypt somewhere. You don't have to be wandering in some wilderness out there. We're talking about your life turns into a wilderness. Aren't you glad we got this one done in one, one night and one day? And you made it. Listen, I, it's just, you know, in the light of everything we've been talking about, it's just distractions. You know, uh, again, why don't you, in fact, why don't you all stand up? That'll, that'll make you feel, some, feel somewhat better. Um, it's a distraction. When you start feeling yourself go down a, a negative road, feel yourself going down that all you're noticing is the negative of stuff. All you're noticing is, is what you don't like. You, you need to take heed to yourself. Because it isn't worth it. Is, is anybody grateful they're saved? Yeah. Now, I, you all know the religious answer. We all know what we're supposed to answer. But I'm just saying, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to talk down nothing. I'm just, but how many are grateful you're saved? Amen. How many are grateful for a Lord and Savior? Amen. How many are grateful, amen, that, that your, you know, your sins are forgiven? How many are grateful that you can walk in the blessing? How many are grateful that one day you'll walk in heaven? Come on, right? I mean, how many are grateful you're delivered from hell? I mean, you can go on and on about all the things that we could focus on and stay locked on and give our attention to and then begin to see the results of that. Or we can continue to look at everything negative and keep pouring that mess into a mold and when that mold breaks open and all this mess that you don't like is manifesting you can't go get mad at God and you can't go get mad at the preacher 
and, and you can't get mad at your, 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 your boss or your loved ones. And I mean, sometimes you just have to stop and realize, you know, I've been pour, pouring that mess in there for years, and all of a sudden now I'm getting these results, and I hate it. I don't like it. So take heed. Take heed. Look at your neighbor and say, Whew. Take heed. Hallelujah. Wow. Wow. Did you get something today? All right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Hallelujah, that these are a people who focus on the right things, praise God. They stay locked onto you, praise God, walking free from all the distractions, praise God. I thank you and praise you, Lord God. They choose life, not death. Hallelujah, they choose the blessing, not the curse. They choose above, things above, rather than things beneath, praise God. They choose you, praise God. They focus on you. They lock their attention on you, praise God. Father, I am grateful for a congregation that presses forward, taking their promised land, praise God. Hallelujah, because they're locked on to the right things. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.